Hi everyone and welcome to the Illini Blueprint. Today's guest is Hisela Carbonell, curator at the Cornell Fine Arts Museum. How's your Friday, Hisela? Hi Shivani, it's going great and I'm happy to be here. How are you? I'm great, I'm great. I'm looking forward to our interview. Um, so it's just jumping into um, the questions. So we're gonna start with your time at UIUC. Is there any particular reason you chose to come to UIUC to pursue your PhD? Yes, and I'm so glad that I did. So I did my my master's at a different institution in, um, in Massachusetts, and I was looking for PhD programs where I could work with experts in, in what I wanted to study. And uh, there were a group of professors in the art history department at that time, this was in the early 2000s, um, who specialized in uh, European and American art of the 20th century. And also um, because the, the university had a museum. And so I thought a combination of having a great faculty and an art museum on campus would be good for pursuing the PhD. So um, I had never been to Illinois before and I had never um, visited Illinois before, but I'm so glad I did. It was it was a wonderful experience. I'm so glad to hear that. Um, are there any um, specific like favorite parts you had about the art history program you want to touch on? Sure. So the art history program, um, the, the program itself, uh, the graduate program was relatively small. So it was uh, easy to get to know all the other students and uh, the faculty worked really close with the students. So I felt it was a, a great uh, sense of community of uh, people helping each other and faculty really caring about their students um, and helping to prepare us for what was next. Um, and, uh, you know, we had a great uh, art library in the architecture building and the museum right across the street. So it was a great part of campus uh, to be uh, every day while doing the, the program. Yeah, that sounds like a really holistic experience. Absolutely. Um, are there any impactful professors or courses that you took that you'd like to talk about? Oh, yeah. So we had at that time, I worked closely with, um, in particular, with three professors. They're no longer there. They are have moved on to other institutions or retired. But um, Professor Jonathan Feinberg, who was a big, um, big scholar in the field, um, was a great mentor. And um, he talked to me about uh, possibilities for uh, working in the museum. Um, my advisor and dissertation director, Jordana Mendelssohn, who's now at NYU, she was really um, my guiding light during my time at Illinois. Um, she was a young scholar at that time and uh, just an amazing specialist and uh, just caring about her students. And I worked very closely with her. She helped um, me to navigate the program and also help me to establish networks and connections um, with people, um, other scholars and curators in the field so I could uh, do my dissertation research um, in the US and also in Spain. I had to travel several times and she was uh, key in establishing those connections so that I could have access to the archives that I needed to go research. Um, and then Professor Rachel Deleu, who moved on, she's now at Princeton. She's an American art specialist. I think the three of them were really 
great mentors and examples for me uh, to emulate and to try to follow um, in their footsteps. And, and they all came from very different backgrounds and experiences and specialties. So um, yeah, I wish I could go back sometimes and, and sit in one of those classes and be with them again as a student. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Professors really make the experience. I 100% agree. Um, so going beyond just like the academic setting, were you at all involved in any um, resources on campus that helped you um, further your interest in the field that you're working in? So I had an experience and this is how, you know, sometimes one conversation or one um, action can change the course of your career or even your life. I know it sounds cliche, but it does happen. Um, so I remember um, uh, thinking about opportunities in terms of work during uh, during my time there. And as a master's student, uh, student in my previous institution, I had worked as a TA and I had worked as a grader. I worked in the library, you know, I did different things. In the PhD program, I was fortunate that I had um, um, some funds and, and uh, fellowship for the first year. But after that, I needed to figure out what I was going to do. And of course, the normal path for a lot of students is to go into um, teaching, become a TA or a grader. Um, but uh, I remember Professor Feinberg mentioning, you know, they may be hiring um, doctoral students in the museum for a position of curatorial assistant. And maybe you should apply. And I remember thinking, but I want to become a professor, so I should be teaching. And it had never crossed my mind up until that point that that could be a, a different type of door in education and academia that I could pursue. So I applied and I went to the, for the interview and eventually I did get the job. And so I worked at the Granite Art Museum on campus for, I want to say for almost four years. Wow. Um, and that was a life changing experience, not right away. And this is something that's important for students, regardless of what stage of your, of your um, academics you, you are in your degree, things may not manifest immediately, but they may help change the path that you take later on. So I did work there. I love that job. That was for me to realize and to learn how a museum really works um, and how museums educate in a way that is different from how we educate in the classroom, right? And that museums have their duty and responsibility to educate not only the students who are on campus, but also the community who comes to visit. Um, so that was that was a phenomenal experience. Um, I worked with um, amazing people at the Cranard. Um, I was there under two different directors. So I went through that change um, of working with directors that, of different styles, different managing styles. So I learned a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was really great advice. I really liked what you said about like not expecting things to manifest immediately, but just kind of waiting for them to become fruitful. Absolutely. I mean, it wasn't until I want to say, so I left the Cranard in 2005 and it wasn't until 2014 that I had my next museum job. So from 2005 up to that point, 
I was teaching, I was a professor at the University of Puerto Rico at Calle, mm -hmm. um, and I was teaching art history and humanities. You know, I eventually finished writing my dissertation, graduated in 2009. And, you know, I did some projects as guest curator for my campus museum, but it wasn't until 2014 that I, you know, in that period of time, I thought I love teaching, but I really miss this collaborative uh, environment of working in a museum, being part of a team and then um, educating in a different way. Right. And I love lecturing and I love public speaking and touring exhibitions um, and love working with students. But I really wanted to be in that context again. And so I decided to make that shift. So that experience at the Craner all those years earlier really helped me to solidify in my mind what was it that I wanted to to do for the rest of my career. And so here we are. Right. Um, that actually leads perfectly into the next question I wanted to ask you. Um, so I saw on your LinkedIn that you worked both as a professor and as a curator. Could you talk a little bit about um, your experience with both of those um, positions and what made you um, switch between the two? Yeah. So uh, as I said, I think the, the common thread there is education. Um, and that's why I love academic museums so much, because we have a very strong, solid teaching mission. Um, I think one of the biggest differences is that, you know, for me, at least when teaching, it felt a little bit isolating, right? You're in your in your classroom with your students for 50 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes, however long the class is. I enjoyed every minute of it. I love working with my students. But then they would leave and I would be alone again in my office um, preparing my lectures and grading. So I felt after a few years after I had finished the dissertation and graduated and was able to focus um, solely again on on my work that I wanted to do the kind of work where I could engage all sorts of different people. I can engage students, but also artists, other curators, collectors, um, community members to have a more, um, I don't know, I guess a, a different type of experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so as a curator, I don't, I actually have never interviewed anyone that's worked in a museum before. <laughs> so I'm very curious to hear about like, what does a museum curator do? What are your daily tasks? Like, just feel free to touch a bit on that. Sure. So, um, the museum curator, and it varies depending on institution, depending on type of, of museum, um, size of museum, but generally the curator is the, the position that is in charge of the museum's collection, and uh, you're in charge of researching, interpreting, and educating about the museum's collection. You organize exhibitions um, with works from the collection, but also with works from other collections, other institutions. And also you work closely with um, artists and collectors um, to put together exhibitions and programming. Um, and again, that varies depending on the size of the institution and the type of museum. But those are, those are the main um, responsibilities is uh, you're the steward for the collection. And so you research, you interpret it, you um, lecture, so you teach with the collection, which I love to do. Um, you write the didactic materials that you see when you go to the museum and you see the labels next to the paintings and to the sculptures. 
Um, you know, you write uh, catalogs for exhibitions. So it's a different type of scholarship, right? It's a, it's a scholarship that is geared towards um, teaching a broad audience. So you're not just, um, you know, when you publish something in a journal, you're mostly talking to other specialists, right? Because that's your contribution to the field. Um, sometimes when you work in museums, your work has to be appealing to a broad audience. You're talking to people who um, maybe go to the museum when they're uh, traveling on holiday once a year, and also to specialists from campus who come to the museum maybe a couple of times every month and who attend all events, right? So, yeah. so it's very fun. It's a, it's, a, it's a challenging and engaging and fun uh, way of, of educating. Yeah, and your network must be so widespread after curating because you must work with so many different um, artists and creators. Oh, yes, you meet all kinds of different people. And, you know, working in a, in a campus museum like I am now, the Cornell Fine Arts Museum, it's in uh, Rollins College in Winter Park, Florida. You know, we have specialists on campus that I can reach out to and say, hey, I am researching this painting it's about X or Y topic and you're an anthropologist, you studied this, or you're a scientist, you studied this, you know, can you help me? And so it's, it's really collaborative work because you have all these people on campus who have uh, degrees and specialties that can help complement my own um, to better interpret the works. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um... So my next question for you, um, this kind of goes towards like giving advice to students looking to get into yep. a similar field. Um, so a lot of students I know probably haven't heard about like curating and like that kind of field as you can go into after pursuing an arts degree. So do you have any advice for students looking to get into that kind of role? And um, is there anything you wish you knew when you did? Oh, yes. Um, so one one thing that I, I think it's very important for students to to consider um, is that you need to be proactive and ask questions. Sometimes I encounter students who say, oh, well, I applied for a job at, on campus at this unit and I didn't get it. So, OK, so then it's like, that's it. Like the door is closed. And so I would say don't picture the door closing quite yet, right? You may not have gotten the job, for instance, that you wanted on campus, but if there's someone in that unit, whether it's a museum, uh, faculty, other graduate students that maybe you wanna talk to because maybe it's not there, but maybe something else will open up for you. But if you think they, their advice is valuable, ask for an appointment and go meet with them or ask them for a 15 minute phone call. Um, you know, people like me who work in these positions, um, who had such good experiences as graduate students, uh, at least in my case, I love it when students reach out, right? Or people reach out and say, hey, how, how can I uh, get to know more people and expand my network? Or can you refer me to a website or a book or give me a reference for finding more information? And most of the time, you'll find that people are willing to give you that feedback. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, a, that's what a lot of people have told me in these interviews, like informational interviews are always the way to go. So. Yeah, absolutely. And just reaching out to people, you know, it could be, it could be going to one of your professors and saying, hey, 
any of your former students that you keep in touch with, do you think you can put me in touch with them so I can ask them a few questions, right? So it's not expecting maybe the professor to give you all the answers, but they may be the link to connect you to other people like me who may be willing to talk with you and share my experience. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my next question for you, um, it kind of has to do with your first job postgrad. I know you talked about how you were, you worked at Illinois for a while after finishing your PhD, but um, post that job, how did you transition to a new position outside of Illinois and um, what were some obstacles you faced with that transition? Okay, so so I was in the very early stages of the dissertation when a job opened up at the University of Puerto Rico. And so that's when I left Illinois and um, and I went to teach and I thought, okay, I'm gonna teach. And then in the evenings, I'm gonna continue writing my dissertation, right? And I remember my advisor at that time telling me, I think you should stay here in Illinois. You have a job at the Cranard you have your faculty here and your library here, maybe wait until you're a little bit more advanced in the dissertation process and maybe go on the job market. And I decided not to listen to that advice, which now looking back, I should have. She was right, that's why she was an advisor, right? Um, but anyway, I went, um, I took on that, that position and I ended up teaching there for two years and then finding that I wasn't making as much progress on the dissertation as I wanted. So I ended up taking a leave of absence for a year, going back to Illinois in 2007 um, and uh, working again on the dissertation um, until I finished. And so I ended up graduating in 2009. So it took me a little bit longer than if I had stayed and just focus on my work at the Krenert and then writing. Um, but yeah, and then after that, I worked for a couple more years teaching, and then I felt I was at a crossroads. I felt, okay, either now that I'm done with that phase of my academic life and I have the PhD, do I want to continue teaching or do I want to pursue a full-time position in museums? Because that experience at the Cranert was always there in my mind, right? I always thought about it as something that I really wanted to explore. And so I talked to a lot of people. I reached out to my uh, previous advisors and uh, my graduate school colleagues and just talked to people and asked for advice. And, um, and after lots of consideration, I decided, okay, I'm gonna go on the job market for, um, for a museum position. And I got one at a museum in Naples, Florida. And I was there for almost four years, five years, five years. And, uh, and that was a great experience also. Learned a lot of things that um, prepared me for my current position. Absolutely. Um, that was a great answer. Um, so you talked about relocating to Port, uh, Puerto Rico. Could you talk about how, um, that experience and like shifting from one country to another? Um, how was that change for you? Um, in, in, in a lot of ways, it was very hard, um, especially because, like I said, I, I was not done with the degree yet. So it was a lot of pressure to start a new job. You know, I had lived um, in the States for several years for graduate school. 
So it was kind of hard to go back and um, still have the um, the weight of the dissertation hanging on my shoulders. So I felt, you know, I, learning a new job is hard, right? And and adjusting to now you're no longer a TA, now you're no longer working with your advisor, you're on your own, you're now a professor, right? So that was really hard. Um, and also having worked at um, Illinois and, you know, having all the resources at the library and having amazing librarians, amazing faculty, and then going somewhere else and finding, okay, I need to get these materials. I don't have access to them here. Or, you know, so it was, a, it was challenging and difficult, um, mostly because I was not done with, with the dissertation. I think that would have made a difference. Personally, it was great because I was back close with my family and my friends from home. Um, but it took a while. It, it was an adjustment. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of students feel pretty trapped or not trapped, but like, um, like a little stuck in Illinois or the U S. So I think it's so inspiring that you, you traveled back to, um, your country and you made it back to the U S like, I would love, mm -hmm. I would love to, um, study internationally and take a job abroad. Um, so that's really cool that you did that. So this, my next question is kind of about um, the mu museum industry as a whole, um, rather than just your career. So um, living in this era that we do today, the COVID era, how have you seen this, uh, these unprecedented times affect the museum industry? And um, what's your take on how we can grow from it? That's a, an excellent question and one that, you know, covers a lot of ground because this this uh, situation with COVID has affected museums in in a way that they have never. I don't think that they have been affected before. All of them at the same time, right? All across the country and really across the world. Um, I think it's it's probably harder for the larger museums in big cities. You know, you have museums um, that have had to furlough people and lay off uh, people and uh cancel exhibitions cancel acquisitions you know and just really reduce their operation um a lot of museums that are still closed you know in our case for instance you know we opened september 18th so we have been closed this whole time working mostly from home and just facing the challenges of how do you continue to deliver on your mission when your doors are are closed so technology of course if has played a big role. Um, so we have had to adapt, all of us in, in the museum field have had to adapt and shift and be flexible and be creative. You know, um, no one teaches you how to do a, a museum tour on Zoom or, um, you know, or how to convey information or um, about things that you usually observe and experience when you're in the gallery space. Um, so we have had to work hard to um, continue offering access to, to our collections and our exhibitions um, using technology and, and being creative. If we have works that are installed in outdoor spaces or, you know, other ways in which we can engage our audiences. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I know that was a bit of a hard question just because there's really no perfect answer but that was that was really good that's that's the thing that is there's no one size fits all um 
way of, of dealing with this, right? I follow the Cranard Art Museum on social media and it's amazing all the different things that they have been doing, um, you know, during this time. And they continue, of course, to, to be creative and, and come up with exciting and interesting things that they offer. And we are doing the same thing here on campus, but it has been really challenging, you know, dealing, dealing with an issue that affects everyone personally on a different, in different ways, right? Either you, someone got sick or you know people who got sick or laid off or you're, you're handling, you know, financial challenges while at the same time trying to be creative and, and create um, exciting and interesting programs. It's, it's really hard, yeah. but we're doing it. We have to do it, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, I can't even imagine how much it's affected the museum industry. I loved mm -hmm. going to museums before um, everything happened. So yeah, um, but yeah, the the next question I have for you is kind of bouncing back to your own personal interests. Um, so I wanted to ask, how exactly did you find um, your niche within the um, museum field like I know you specialize in certain types of art how exactly did you decide to find that specialization okay that's that's a good question too and something that students um, that I wish all students would uh, you know would think about or that their professors would kind of talk to them about early in their in their academic path so my undergraduate degree is in political science my master's and PhD are in art history. I love politics and I love art. Those are the two things, you know, and I wish if I had the time and financial means, I think I would go back to school and I would do another PhD in political science. Um, and so I love that intersection of, of art and politics. I specialized in 20th century art. Um, so modern political history and art are things that you know, it's very hard for me to look at works of art and not think about them or look at them through that lens. Um, but it took a while from the time that I was teaching to where I am now to be able to, to um, draw from uh, those two sides of my education. Um, prior to coming to the Cornell, I was uh, at the Baker Museum in Naples, which is not an academic museum museum, right? It's a museum, it's a private nonprofit um, a sort of city museum in Naples um, that uh, didn't necessarily have the same type of, of academic mission that a campus museum does, right? So there I learned about engaging with uh, the general public, uh, about fundraising and cultivating donors and um, building and interpreting a collection. Once I get here to Rollins, you know, Rollins is a small liberal arts college. So what we do at my museum combines those two things that I like, like so much, you know, in our mission, preparing our students for global citizenship and responsible leadership. So there is a lot of, um, of our programming and our exhibitions that are geared towards social justice. Um, and so now I'm finding myself drawing more from my, uh, my undergraduate degree in political science, right? And, and using that as the foundation for researching and interpreting works of art um, that have to do with uh, some of those themes now. 
So I wish, um, you know, that were something going back to your question about, um, uh, about what would I, I don't know how you phrase it, but maybe what, what would I wish I had known then yeah. it was how to make those connections, because as a student, you may not see them right away. You may not think things are connected in a way that you could weave them and you can, you can use it to establish the foundation for what will become your career. Right. And one thing that I also wish I knew is that sometimes, you know, in the arts, for instance, and I'm sure it happens in other fields too. Um, you know, we've, maybe we feel when we were students that, oh, you know, if you want to be an artist or an art historian or a curator, you want to be in New York city, right. Or you want to be in London or in Paris. And it's not until you get there that you will make it in the art world. And that may be true for some people, but I think there are so many opportunities for people to create their own thing where they are right? You have opportunities, you have resources, there are good artists and, and interesting people everywhere. And so I think if you look around you and pull from the resources that you have where you are, you will be able to build a great thing, right? Mm -hmm. Not everyone has to be in New York or London. Now I look back and I'm thinking, I'm glad that I didn't go to New York <laughs> because I don't think I would have liked that. Yeah. So yeah. I hope that makes sense for yeah, for does. young for young students who are now you know trying to think what am I going to do when I graduate where am I going to go exactly. right and it depends on the field I'm sure but um, but don't get discouraged if you're in a place where you know if you're working in I don't know computer science and you feel like you you belong in Silicon Silicon Valley well maybe you'll get there at some point but I'm sure there are other um, opportunities where you are too right that yeah. maybe fewer people are looking at yeah no definitely that's that's great advice um yeah the next question I have is kind of goes back to your own interests so what really made you decide to pursue the arts and this is coming from um the daughter of an immigrant whose parents never really let her explore the arts so I kind of ended <laughs> up in the business STEM fields, but like, do you have any advice for students going through a kind of a similar um, career crisis where it's like they want to pursue the arts and they want to go into that kind of field, but they feel trapped in the majors that they're in? Like, is it still possible to pursue a career in the arts even if you don't have a degree in it? Uh, another great question. And, and you're not alone, Shivani. You know, I went through that experience also when I was um, uh, about to graduate high school and thinking about college degrees and and to be honest between the two of us and don't tell anyone else my dream was to be a theater actress I wanted to go to a drama program and I wanted to be on stage doing theater and that was you know very quickly discouraged and very strongly discouraged um, that wasn't necessarily the the option that my family was supportive you know supportive at the time but um, I think when I was um, studying political science, um, I had a job at a store and I remember seeing this poster with this very strange image that I had not seen before. And I asked someone, what is this picture? And they told me, oh, it's a painting by a Spanish artist. You know, his name is Salvador Dali. And I thought, okay, I need to find, find out who that is and, and what I'm looking at here. And I remember, 
after work going to a bookstore and asking, do you have a, a book about this artist? And they did. And that was the first book about his work that I bought. And I read it cover to cover in like one night. And I thought, this is amazing. And how can I, you know, how can I learn more about this? And so I had like, um, while I was doing political science, I was also reading a lot about art and through um, reading about him and his work, I started reading a lot about surrealism and 20th century art. And so I had like these two parallel things going on, right? In my spare time, I would read about art, but then I was very passionate about my uh, political science classes and seminars and degrees. Eventually, I was able to make that connection about you know, in terms of um, how art, for instance, was used basically as political propaganda in antiquity, you know, when you had, you didn't have newspapers or social media or how were emperors um, portraying themselves to the people? How would they convey who they were or their lineage, right? It was through sculpture and through uh, carved relief and through architecture. And so, I don't know, I think the, the connection started to fall in place that um, by the end or in advance in my political science degree, I thought, okay, I either want to go into um, law or art or political science. Like I have to make that decision. And so I tried a couple of things and eventually I decided, you know, art history would be, would be the type of, of degree that would allow me to explore all these things. Because when you study art, you, you can study anything through art, right? Because life, all of life is represented in works of art, whether it's visual arts or literature, um, it's all there. So, yeah, yeah, no, that was that was a great answer, um, and that that's really uh, that really helps me, <laughs> or not helps me, but like it's it's great advice. It makes me feel a lot better. Um, yeah, and also one thing that I would add also for um, for students who I don't know, I think for students who are interested in in the arts, but not necessarily because they're artists or they want to be curators. Like, let's say you like accounting, you want to study accounting, but you also like art or you study marketing, but you also like art. Museums need people from all those fields, right? Because we do have marketing departments, we have social media people, we have finance people, um, you know, people who can work in fundraising. Uh, you know, museums are, they need to have people in all those positions in order for institutions to function and to work, right? So uh, people who, graphic designers or um, you know, finance people, accounting people are very important to help us with fundraising and um, grant writers, um, even translators, you know? And so when we have people in those positions who, have, who also have a background in art or art history who understand the mission of what we do is fantastic. So it's not just the curator who makes things happen, right? I couldn't do what I do if I didn't have a team of people who um, who work in all those areas and keep the wheels turning. Yeah, no, I can't even tell you how much that, <laughs> that happy, how happy that makes me. I think a lot of students just get like pigeonholed into the idea that they have to work at like a financial institution if they're like a business major, like some kind of tech company if they're a CS major, but the truth is it's so much more expansive than that. 
And I think that's why it's so important to, you know, if you have the opportunity and you have the time and the ability to take courses outside the area so that you can start thinking about combining things, you know, for instance, a development officer at a museum, that is the person who cultivates the donors, right? That is a person who has very specialized skills, um, who knows about, um, investments and percentages and stuff that I don't know. <laughs> I don't, that's, that's definitely not my area, right? But they are the one who cultivates uh, the donors and deal with the donor portfolios. And that aspect that is so important to support nonprofit organizations and development officers are very skilled and well-prepared, um, you know, in dealing with, with that and understanding how investments work and philanthropy and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I would say for students, you know, if you have a passion and interest, even if it's an inkling of an interest in a field that may seem far from yours, I'm sure there are ways to find those connections. So if you have the chance to take a class or reach out to a faculty member in that department or to another student in that department, students are usually great resources to tell you what their experience is with what they're doing. And maybe that's helpful. Yeah. Um, do you have any advice for students just like within the U of I community, like specific resources they can look into if they're wanting to get into the museum or arts um, fields? Um, I think the, the, the most effective way that you can get um, good feedback is being proactive. Don't be shy to ask questions. Um, you know, and there are ways in which, as I said, you know, if you um, call someone, let's say at the museum or a member of the faculty of the department that you're interested in and ask if you, you know, do you have 15 minutes? Can I, can I go have a cup of coffee with you for 15 minutes? And then have questions prepared and really try to get a relationship going and establish that kind of network and you know, if they say, sorry, I don't know, I can't help you in that area, or I'm not knowledgeable in that particular area, then follow up and ask them, okay, is there, do you know someone who may be able to help me? Can you put me in touch with that person? Can I, can you help me connect with that person? Um, and don't be shy about asking questions. If you're at the U of I and you're a student now, this is the time to do it. And, and you're in the right community. You have tons of resources on campus. Um, Graduate students' uh, organizations are also very good. If you're interested in another field or another department, you know, reach out to the grad student um, association or organization or group that they have and see if they can meet with you for a few minutes and, and give you some feedback. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. I think I'll definitely be taking some of that. Um, yeah. So I just have a couple more questions for you. <laughs> Um, my first one is, um, this is a little bit personal, um, mm -hmm. what really just, I know a lot of students like struggle with um, just like that motivation and internal drive in their career, especially during these times. Do you have any advice for um, just like students who struggle with that and what really drives you in your own career? Yeah, so um, I think, you know, I, I get very excited about opportunities for uh, opportunities to teach. And, and again, when I talk about teaching and what I do, I'm, I'm, it could be a tour, it could be a lecture, it could be a conversation with a visitor, it could be an essay in a catalog, you know, in different ways. And I'm excited about opportunities 
to engage people to see art in a way that they may not have considered before. I cannot tell you how rewarding it is when I hear people say, I've walked by this painting a million times and I never knew that it was important because of this, this, and this. And for me to have been able to have been part of that experience, of that transformational experience for someone is very rewarding as an individual. I would say for students who have any kind of uh, challenge or struggle in thinking about their career, um, the financial implications of wanting to pursue graduate degrees, if you are thinking about that, or even as an undergrad, um, there are great resources on campus. And I would say from personal experience, reach out to the counseling center. We're so focused on going to the career office, right? Or the career advisors and thinking about how can I graduate and start making money right away? But you need to take care of yourself while you're doing it in school. You'll, you need to have support and stability in order to be successful and achieve your goals. And I think speaking from personal experience, the Counseling Center at the U of I is an amazing, amazing resource. There are great people there who can help students who have any kind of challenge or any kind of struggle they're friendly. It, it just feels like you're going to talk to a friend um, and, and it truly helps. Yeah, I, I love that response. I love what you said about um, just like being part of that experience where you really change people's perspectives of art. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I think, that, you know, focusing, try, you know, focusing, we deal with so much and I feel like students now deal with so much, right? You have the, the pressure of, um, having your, you know, doing your, your coursework and having probably having a job and um, getting good grades and building your portfolio and all of that. And I feel like students sometimes are focused so much on the future that they lose sight of what they have right yeah. in the moment, right? Yeah. And so that's, that's one thing that I would emphasize for students is that your time after you graduate is super important, of course, what will happen next, but your time now as a student is e as e equally as important. Yeah, no, I agree yeah. completely. That, that mm -hmm. was a great answer. Um, but my very final question for you today is what's next for Hisela? Do you have any specific projects you're excited to work on? Um, any research you're doing? Just feel free to talk about that. No, thank you. So, yeah, so now I've been here at the Cornell for two years. Um, I have a great exhibition project that I've been working on for several years that opens um, next month. It's called uh, Marcus Jansen e Pluribus Unum. And this is really um, the culmination of uh, the interest that I've been sharing with you. You know, this is an exhibition mostly of large scale paintings by artist Marcus Jansen, but the subject matter, and you can tell from the title, E Pluribus Unum, and it's scheduled to be up during the general election season. It's, a, it's an exhibition that is very political in terms of the subject matter of the works. So this, after all these years, is really a culmination for me of working with an artist who explores um, themes that have uh, political threads connecting all these works in his painting and in his art. 
So some of the paintings, these are beautiful works, um, but they address very serious things like surveillance and censorship and hierarchies and economic inequalities and power structures. So um, for me as a curator with a background in political science, this is a little bit of a dream come true um, to put this exhibition together, um, to call it e pluribus unum, sort of asking the question of what does that term mean now <laughs> in this particular season? And, um, and it's being installed as we are speaking right now. And so it's, it's very exciting. That's that's so exciting. I'm very yeah. excited to see how that turns out. And I think it's a very political time. So there's mm -hmm. really no better time to start the conversation, start the conversation, especially with art. It was so great talking to you today. Honestly, so much of what you said inspired me so much. So Oh, I'm so glad. I am so happy that you reached out. And this has been amazing to have this conversation with you. So yeah, I wish you a good semester. I know it will be a little bit different, but I wish you all the luck and, and the best in the world. Thank you. You too. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that LinkedIn update about your new installment. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course.